Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Our attention one more time to the book of John chapter number 17. John chapter number 17. This is our 13th week in the first five verses of John 17. It is also our final week in the first five verses of John chapter number 17. I'm sure that there is a great deal more information that we could gather from this these verses, uh, but we want to continue on down through the chapter, but we're going to Use this morning, the Lord being our helper, to do kind of a recap of the things that we've seen, the things that we've found, and the things that we've recognized from these first five verses. So let's begin by reading verse number one down through verse number five, and then we'll pray and get into the thoughts that we have this morning Verse number 1 of chapter number 17, the Bible said, These words spake Jesus, and lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, once again we come to you and we ask you that you would uh, illuminate your word. I pray that through your word may you shine the light of scripture in our hearts. Lord, may we rest in who you are. May we rest in the truths that you've given us. Lord, may we bask in the glory of what you've placed in this scripture. Lord, may we look at you and recognize you for who you are and recognize you for what you did on our behalf. Lord, I ask you this morning that we may gather from this scripture what I believe you would have for us. I pray that we may rest in that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. What we've been looking at as we've looked at these first five verses, we have been looking at the security of the believer in eternity. We've been looking at what God did in eternity to make possible what has taken place in our life as a believer. 
as His grace has been revealed to us, we're looking at the fact, and, and we, we've even considered uh, that there was a council of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who devised a plan. And what amazes me, and always has amazed me, is God made a plan before there was a need for a plan. God made a way to redeem a sinner before there was a sinner. God left nothing to chance, and God left nothing to chance because God is not a God of chance. God is a God of purpose. And in being a God of purpose, there are things that He tells us in this Scripture, and we're going to get into these in just a moment, but there are things that He tells us in this Scripture that proves to us that He is not a God of chance. Uh, What you and I do, do not determine what God does. What God did determines what you and I do. Uh, We get... we, we have a tendency, man has a tendency, if he's not careful, that he turns everything upside down and places it on its head. Yeah. Man does not look at Scripture the way Scripture ought to be looked at many times because man does not like what the Scripture looks like right. because man has nothing to do with it. And that's the whole problem is that we feel like we need to have something to do with everything. But in light of that, I want us to understand that the main principle that we've looked at in verses 1 through down through verse number 5 is that you and I are safe in eternity. We're going to begin looking at, at, beginning next week, we're going to be looking at that we are safe in the world. And we're going to see some things in the coming scriptures that God prays for us that shows us uh, our safety and our, our security in the world. But we have security in eternity. God made these plans, devised these plans, and placed these plans in place in eternity past. It was not us who devised them. It was not us who brought them about. It was not us who, uh, who uh, even uh, made the reason for it. Right. It was all in the purpose of God. You and I are just, you and I are the benefactors of the grace of God. Yes, yes. We, are not, we are not the reason God devised the grace. God devised the grace to make us a benefactor of His grace. And He did all of that for His glory. And if we understand that, then we understand salvation as God gives it to us. But I want us to understand this morning, and I want us to look at this subject. We are safe in His eternal kingdom. We have been looking at the last several weeks, the last 12 weeks, and now we come to week number 13. We've been looking at how that God devised this plan in eternity past. But also, in light of God devising this plan in eternity past, God has also given us the promises that we are safe in the eternal kingdom of God. 
God made a plan and God finished His plan and God purposed His plan and God put His plan into action. And because of God's plan, you and I are secured in eternity to come. He did things in eternity past that set things in order for you and I to rest in the security of the believer in the eternity to come. We're we're secured now. But we're not just secured now. We're secured for eternity to come. There is nothing that shall separate us. Is that what, what the Apostle Paul said? He went down through a whole list of things and said there's nothing that shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing's going to separate us. When God places His love upon us, there is nothing that can separate us from that love. What a blessing. What a rest that you and I can find in understanding what God has done for us. In light of that, I want us to look at five different things this morning. I want us to look, first of all, that God has chosen us unto salvation. God has chosen us unto salvation. Now, that makes some people nervous, but it doesn't make me nervous at all. Understanding that God has chosen me unto salvation. The Bible tells us in verse number two, he says here, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he who, the Lord Jesus Christ, should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus Christ came for the purpose and for the reason of going to the cross, of undergoing the wrath of God so that you and I could be purchased and be given back to the Father. And it's amazing to me that the Father gave Jesus Christ those whom He chose and those whom He chose Christ gave back to the Father. And we see that in this scripture. Amen. How? <laughs> and I, don't, I, I want to try to be as nice as that. But how in God's name could you, how could you not understand this scripture being prayed from the mouth of Jesus Christ to God the Father? How could you, how could you refute what's being said here when this is Christ praying to his father. This is, if we, if we could, okay, if we wanted to go by the stretch of the imagination and we wanted to say the apostle Paul was just a man and what Paul wrote doesn't necessarily mean anything. You and I know that's not true. You and I know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. But Paul was a man. Yes, right. And Paul was wrong sometimes. Paul, we see in Scripture that Paul was wrong sometimes. What did he do when they came back from their first missionary journey? He got mad at Barnabas 
And he told, he, he told him, he said, I, I, I'm not taking John Mark back with me because we got halfway through the journey. He turned around and went home. I'm not taking him again. But what does he tell us later on in, in the book of Philippians? He said, bring John Mark with you because he's profitable to me in the ministry. So Paul is human and he can make mistakes. So if we were to say that the Apostle Paul made a mistake and because he made a mistake, we didn't want to take anything he said. But what what I've said all of that for is to say this, you cannot say that about Christ. And it is Christ who is praying. In verse number 2. It is the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross to purchase our salvation. And he prays in verse number 2 that he has given eternal life to as many as has received him. He's given eternal life. He tells us in verse number 2 that he's given eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You cannot refute that scripture. You can't, you can't go away from that scripture. That scripture's there. Christ prayed that scripture. So you and I can rest in the fact that we know that God the Father hath chosen us unto salvation. What a blessing. What a tremendous blessing to know that God the Father when he devised the plan of salvation, devised that plan on our behalf. Yes. So that you and I could have a relationship with him as our father. And we understand that that relationship does not come to us, but by and through the Lord Jesus Christ right. and him alone. There is no Amen. other avenue. That's right. There's nothing that we can do. Brother Charles alluded to in his in, in talking this morning about love and about things that he does and and even as he does those things and he 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 does those things and even in a genuine heart does that for those people but when he walks away from that he said man didn't I do good yeah. what are you saying we're we're fallible but he's not Amen. and he has given us. He has given us and placed upon us that love that produces that love in us that we could not have outside of Him. So we understand that it is because Jesus Christ loved us that we can love anybody else. And yet we go away sometimes lifting up ourselves in pride thinking we did something when we need to understand that it was Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. And he did what he did to purchase our salvation because the Father had given us to him in eternity past. I can rest in that. I can not only rest, but I can bask in that. Understanding that God has chosen me. Not only that, we find out in verse number two also, we find out that God has removed every obstacle to our receiving salvation. God has removed every obstacle to our receiving salvation. Look at what he says in verse number two. 
In fact, a lot of what we've got this morning is going to come from verse number 2 and, and verse number 3 and 4. Those are the three verses that we're keying in on. But in verse number 2, in the beginning part of verse number 2, he says here, And thou hast given him power over all flesh. Right. And in Him giving Him that power, in God the Father giving that power to God the Son, He removed every obstacle there would be to our receiving Christ. Mm-hmm. Can I just be honest with you this morning? There is not a person. There is not a person that God intends on being saved that will ever not be saved. Right, right, right. Because it is the intention of God. And God has taken every obstacle out of the way. How has He done that? He has done that through Jesus Christ having power over all flesh. We spent an entire message on Jesus Christ having power over the flesh. We looked at that in depth, but understand that Christ, God has removed every obstacle to our receiving salvation, and He has done that through Jesus Christ. He's done that not only in verse number 2, but He's done it on down through in verse number uh, 3 and in verse number 4. He's told us, and we're going to get into this in just a moment, that He's finished all the work that He sent Him to do. Jesus Christ completed salvation so that you and I could receive salvation. There is no salvation outside of Christ. And if salvation is in Christ, it must be produced by Christ and it must be a gift from Christ. And every obstacle from us receiving that has been removed. Why? Because Christ has finished all the work that the Father gave Him to do. Notice that, but not only notice that, notice number three, God has given us the very life of Himself in salvation. This amazes me. As we studied this, as we looked at this, I was amazed at the fact that Jesus Christ gave us the very life of Himself in salvation. Look at what he tells us in verse number 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That knowing does not just mean to have a knowledge of. And we, we dealt with this in death, but understand that that means not only, not only knowing of Christ, but knowing Him, becoming part of Him. What, what, what is the great example that Christ always gives us of His relationship with the church? He always uses the example of what? A husband and a wife. What did He say of a husband and wife? And they too shall become one flesh. What are you saying? I'm saying that you and I have been given the very life of Christ 
and we dealt with this the last several weeks, that you and I are given the very life of Christ on the day that we're born again, we're placed into Christ, and we're placed in Him to enjoy and to bask and to, uh, and to fellowship in the very life of Christ so that you and I live this life here, living that life as the life of Christ. Am I Christ? No. Will I mess up? Yes. Will I make mistakes? Yes. But you and I, as we walk this life, even the Apostle Paul said, the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You and I understand that we do not live this life within our own power. We do not live this life within our own might. We do not do what we do within our own efforts. We do what we do in the life of Christ because you and I have been placed in Christ and we live in Christ and we're living out the life of Christ. In fact, we're not living out the life of Christ as much as He's living out His life through us. Yes. That is what we mean. That is what we truly mean when we say that does the world see Christ in us? Maybe we, maybe we have turned that statement on its head. When we say does the world see Christ in us? Maybe we should say does the world see us in Christ? Amen. And if the world saw us in Christ, it would make a difference. Yes. But in order for the world to see us in Christ, you and I must see ourselves in Christ. Yes. We, must, we must understand that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we understand that we're in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is living out His life through us, then we understand that it is not of us that this life exists. And if we understand that, then we don't, we're, we're not bound by all the legalism that is in this world. We're not bound by, by all of the religiosity, if you will. We're not bound by all of these things. Why? Because Christ is living in us and if Christ is living in us and Christ is living through us, then this world will see us in Christ. And if this world sees us in Christ, then it will see Christ. That's what's important. If the world can see us in Christ and see us resting in Christ, if the world recognized that we were resting and basking in the life of Christ, then the world would understand they don't have to clean this up. They don't have to straighten this out. They don't have to make this right before they can ever come to God. How many times have we had people say, I can't do that because I can't get rid of this or I, I can't lay this down or I can't lay that down. You don't have to. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize God's grace that has been bestowed upon you and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and let Christ do that work in you and you don't have to worry about quitting this or not doing this or not doing that. It's all done because it's Christ living in us. 
People get so afraid sometimes of preaching and teaching that that it is all Christ, that that it is not us. They get so afraid of that because it is that it is that that claw of legalism that 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 people use to try to straighten everybody out. Right. It is the claw of legalism that we try to say uh, if you're if you're here on Sunday morning, you don't come back on Sunday night. You're not right with God. Yep. It is that claw of legalism that says that you ought to be faithful on a Wednesday night. Listen, let me tell you something. God, it is Christ living in us. It is not whether or not we're there on Sunday morning. It's not whether or not we're there on Sunday night. It's not whether or not we're there on Wednesday night. It's not all of these things. I keep seeing so many things in social media that if if this one can go here, then they can go there. Fooly on all that mess. It's life in Christ. It's living in Christ and having Christ live in you and live through you. It is the very life of Christ in salvation that you and I have been given. It is that in which we can rest. It's recognizing who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ that we find rest. And when you find that rest, you you can live a life of rest. I know we use that word a lot here, but I don't know of anything else to see from Scripture but that you and I should rest in Christ, Brother Ricky. I don't see anything else in Scripture. Everywhere I look, I don't see anything else in Scripture except rest in Christ. And every time we, we stray, every time we veer, every time we get away from resting in Christ, we mess up. It's resting in Christ. And we rest in Christ because Christ is living His life through us. Because we're in Him. We want to to do something that causes someone to think we're living for Christ. When what we ought to do is rest in Christ living through us and they will see Christ. Not only that this morning, but fourth of all this morning, I want us to see that God has suffered all things to make salvation possible. God has suffered all things to make salvation possible. He prays a prayer here and in his statement he's even praying before he has finished the the redemptive portion, the redemptive part of salvation. But he says here in verse number four, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What was that work? And we've talked about this. We've dealt with this in dealing with this scripture. That work that he finished in this place is he completed all and, and just so we understand, he completed all of what Adam should have completed in the garden. That was what he did. He completed all of that. He was perfect in every way. He was perfect in every fashion. He did everything that was supposed to be done in order to satisfy 
God. And then he went on to do the redemptive work on the cross of Calvary. But God suffered all things possible for our salvation. Not only what he's saying here, but you and I know that he went to the cross from here. You and I know that he went and and hung upon the cross. He took that beating that was a beating by men, but that was not the thing that was was of, of the vast importance. What is important for us to understand is that he suffered under the wrath of God. He completed everything as far as the law was concerned. He did not do away with the law. He completed the law. He did everything that was supposed to be done. Everything his father sent him to do. And then he went to the cross. This is God paying every price necessary for mine and your salvation. What was that price? It was completing and being being perfectly acceptable before a righteous God and then undergoing the wrath of that righteous God. If if there had been no sin in the garden, this first portion would have been enough. But because of that sin, the second portion had to take place. And Jesus Christ did what was necessary first he became, he became our second Adam. He became that Adam that completed what God gave him to do. What did God set him in the garden and gave the garden to him to dress it, to tend to it, to take care of it. Jesus Christ did everything. He did everything. He finished the work that he gave him to do. And then he went and redeemed man who had fallen into sin. God suffered all things to make salvation possible. Now I want us to finish up this morning by looking at the fact that God has placed the power of all things, including salvation, into the hands of Christ. God has placed the power over all things, including salvation, into the power of Christ. Look in verse number 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give. You see that word that? He said he has given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. God has placed the power over all things, over all flesh. It has all been placed in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, even our salvation. Even the power of our salvation has been placed into the Lord Jesus Christ, into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Paul say in the book of Philippians? He said that I may know him. What? In the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul was talking about even what Christ was praying here. That Christ had power over all things, even our salvation was in the power, in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was placed in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ by God the Father. If we understand this from Scripture, and these five verses have taught us this, these five verses have given us this Truth and revealed this truth to us. 
And in these five verses, God giving this to us and allowing us to understand that the power of my salvation does not rest in me. And many times we don't have a problem with that. But what I want to remind us is that God has placed the power of all things, including our salvation, but He's placed the power over all things. If He's placed the power over all things, He's placed the power not only of our salvation, but He has placed in Christ, in the hands of Christ, the power of our sanctification. There's where we turn things on its head most of the time. We think we have to do something for our sanctification. We do not have to do anything for our sanctification clearly because Christ has already done it. He's already completed it. The power over all things has been placed into his hands and he has completed not only our salvation, but he has completed our sanctification. Someone made a statement one time, and, and in fact, they, they took what you and I looked at as the first point. They took the first point that God had chosen us unto salvation. They took that first point, and then they took what we're talking about right now as a sanctification, and this was their statement. I'm saved because God know me, God knew me, God chose me. I'm saved and, and I'm going to heaven and, and God's going to take me to heaven kicking and screaming. That's not the way to look at Scripture. No, no. That's not what the Scripture's talking about. No. The Scripture's talking about that, that, that sanctification that Christ worked in us is the work of Christ. But if that is evident, we're not going to be kicking and screaming all the way to heaven. And the reason we're not going to be kicking and screaming is because we're going to be resting. Yes. How many of our children, when they were at rest, were kicking and screaming? How many of our children, when they were kicking and screaming, were at rest? They're, they're totally opposite. Right. They're on different ends of the spectrum. You cannot. And that's what someone needs to understand. They need to understand. They may have a knowledge. They may have a head knowledge of, of, of maybe something in this. But they don't have something in their heart. Because if they had it in their heart, they wouldn't even be talking like that. Right. Am I going to fail God? Every day. Am I gonna am I gonna get sidetracked sometimes? Yeah. Because I still carry this dead man around with me. I still have this dead man that I'm carrying. And for that reason, I am going to get tripped up sometimes. I am going to make mistakes. You're gonna get tripped up sometimes. You're gonna make mistakes. Yes. But Christ has finished the work in us. And if you and I have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, that is not somewhere we want to dwell. We find ourselves messing up. We find ourselves making mistakes. But in our heart, we want to serve God. Why? Because Christ is in us and we are in Christ. That is the reason Paul said it was a battle. 
He said, I, I have members. What did he say? I have them warring within me. Why? Because he said, that which I would, I do not. And that which I would not, I find myself doing. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the matter of salvation and the matter of sanctification. Sanctification is finished in us and it's finished through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when you and I get to heaven and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, he will not be looking at you. He will be looking at Christ. Because it, it, it is Christ that has done the work. And it is Christ that will do the work. Amen. Everything I've said this morning, everything that I've mentioned this morning, should allow the child of God to find rest in Christ. And to, and to find rest in Christ alone. There is no other place that I have rest. Every time that I look at myself, I am in unrest. But every time that I look at Christ, I am in rest. Yes. Amen. Why? Because I know that he is faithful. Yeah. What does the apostle tell us? He who hath begun a good work in you will also perform it until the day of redemption. That does not take away my responsibility to live for God. But understanding that causes me to rest enough to be able to live for God. Because I recognize that it's not me, it's Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this Scripture. We thank You for the truths of this Scripture. We ask that You would plant it deep in our hearts. And may we rest in You. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.